Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to spend tonight looking at uh, a couple of verses, 1 Peter 3, verses 9 through 10. And uh, tonight I'm going to talk on what I call the principle of blessing out of 1 Peter chapter 3. And so uh, if you'll get there, in fact, if you'll just look in, I'm going to kind of put this text into context. So if you'll look in chapter 1 first, we'll just spend just a few minutes as we begin tonight looking at uh, the context of this letter so that we can better appreciate and understand what Peter is saying here in 1 Peter 3, verses 9 through 10. Look in chapter 1, and let's just look real quickly here at this, just the first chapter first, and particularly verse 3. Peter begins this epistle with these words, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I have penciled in my scriptures here on the side of this verse that this, this is, this statement here is the context for Christian life, the context for living. Here is, in this one half of this, first, uh, this third verse, the central reason for our existence. And Peter begins, as Paul begins, uh, as the Apostle John begins, uh, many of his works The epistles throughout the New Testament often begin with this theme, praise or glory to God and Father, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now consider this with me just for a few minutes as we begin here tonight. I don't know where you are in your particular period or phase of your life, what season you might be in, in a a room this size, a group this size. There are all kinds of issues that we deal with in life. Some are serious Some of you are facing some significant family challenges. Some of you are facing significant physical challenges. I think of Walter Rook tonight, who uh, really uh, was surprised by this issue that he faced, physical issue that he faced in the last few weeks. I think of the McCaleb family, who, who would have known a few weeks ago that this dear lady carrying these twins in her, in her womb would deliver prematurely and then be uh, standing beside a grave on, on a hot August afternoon. So all of us face issues in life. If you have teenagers, you face issues and challenges. Each week will bring something new in your life, whatever it might be. My point is, ladies and gentlemen, that this must be the grid through which we face life and we consider our life. Here is the context for our very existence. Peter reminds us that life for the Christian is about bringing praise and honor and glory to the Father, to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Now, I hope you experience, are experiencing great joy in your life at this particular moment. I hope if you're in business for yourself that you have plenty of business coming. I hope you have good finances, that, that those are settled issues in your life. I hope that you're healthy. I hope that you're happy. But guys, uh, financial prosperity and joy uh, and, and happiness is not the reason for the Christian life. That's not why we're here. Ultimately, why God has us here is to bring us to a fuller understanding of who we are in Jesus Christ and that ultimately our lives are to bring glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you place this verse, chapter 1, verse 3, into context, 
Paul or Peter. By the way, I, I always make this disclaimer when I'm teaching something that Peter's written and I will later refer to the Apostle Paul. I often switch their names. Right now, if I say Paul, I mean Peter. And later, if I say Paul or Peter, I may mean Paul. So just bear with me on this. But here, Peter brings us into this, this deeper context of the Christian life. When he says, look in verse uh, 7. Now, these have come, speaking of trials in life, persecutions in the Christian life. These have come... I'm in chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And there again, he brings us to this fine point, like with laser beam intensity, Paul or Peter brings us to this fine point that all of our life it should result in the praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then I want you to notice, I find this interesting that Peter, like Paul, would even consider this. Look at verse 12. It was revealed to them that, that, uh, that they were not serving themselves. He's speaking of the prophets of old and uh, concerning salvation and the prophets. Uh, that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now, Peter is saying that he's looking back now, he's casting back in a backward glance at the prophets of the Old Testament. And he said, surely we understand now that the prophets of the Old Testament didn't clearly see or understand what even they were writing about that would come to fulfillment in these days. And then he refers to, to the, the prophets of the New Testament, like Peter and Paul. Uh, and, and now Peter and Paul have a clearer view of what all of this prophetic information that they received in the Old Testament. They have a clearer view as they look through the lens of the gospel and the coming of Jesus Christ. And he says, now that have been now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel. And I think he's, he's of course, referring to Jesus himself and the disciples and, and apostles now of the New Testament. They have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then he says this very inter- interesting statement. Even angels long to look into these things. And when he says that, when I read that again this week, I thought of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul calls this issue the manifold wisdom of God or this, uh, this manifold, uh, like the colors of the rainbows, like now the angels are holding their breath in heaven. And I, I have this visual picture when Peter says this of the angels now kind of pushing the, the prophets of old aside so they can better, get a better glimpse of this revelation that's coming to, to fulfillment that they even better understand that is coming to light now. And it's like the angels, and I've referred to this before in sermons, but it's, it's like the angels are hanging over the banisters of heaven and they're, they're getting a glimpse of what this gospel truly was, is all about now. And they see better themselves. And, and I can imagine the angels saying, Oh, that's what the prophets men of old. And as they look over the banishers of heaven, and, and what they're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ alive and in action. 
They see this prophetic gospel coming to fulfillment. And all of the decades and decades that's gone on, the periods of the Old Testament saints, now the angels who are excited about this see it coming to fulfillment. And what they're seeing is this beautiful vision, this manifold wisdom of God as that, that, that indeed God in eternity past has put Christ and us together in His mind. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, the consummation of that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ and, of course, the church of the New Testament, which, in my opinion, is literally is the church, the old church of the Old Testament is Israel. And now we are the new Israel. And the angels are excited about this because they see this manifold wisdom of God coming coming into play. And it's, it's, it's alive. It's, it's like in present tense before them. Now, I, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are the present tense of that manifold wisdom. We are living out this great mystery. And the angels, I, I can imagine too that the angels might be saying, oh, I wonder if they really know that is us, all of us as Christians, the church today, do you really understand the context of your life? And as Jimmy so faithfully preached Sunday morning, it was, to me, a very encouraging sermon and really spoke to my heart as he preached this, this very issue. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we, it's, we don't have the time to engross ourselves simply in this present life. There is much more to it than simply what we currently groan with and face in these trials, whatever they might be in your life. We cannot, we cannot have tunnel, spiritual tunnel vision. We have to step back. And Peter here is encouraging us. Step back and get an eternal glimpse of life. And so Peter says that we are to live our lives for the praise of God, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ might be praised. Now that helps us put, it, put this letter into context. See, we come now to verse 13 of chapter 1. And Peter says, Therefore, now this is an important word. It's, it's all, anytime you see the word therefore in any of the epistles, stop for a minute. It's an important word. Usually, most often when you see the word therefore, it's pointing back to some great truth or doctrine as is the case here. The great doctrine, the great pr- truth here is that you and I in eternity past have been joined together in Jesus Christ. We are one in Christ. That's the truth. And so, considering that, Peter says, therefore, in light of this great truth, here's what you should do. So, the, the uh, setting is, we move from great doctrine to the application of doctrine. And that's what the epistles are. They're very practical. Paul's epistles are practical. Peter's are very practical. And here is a case in point. Therefore, in light of this great truth, Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. And on and on he goes. Uh, look down in verse 22. Therefore, you can, you can insert the word therefore all through these, these next chapters. Therefore, verse 22, you see the last part of verse 22? Love one another deeply. Why? In light of who we are in Jesus Christ, in light of the kingdom of heaven, in light of eternity coming, love each other deeply. Look in verse or chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, there's the word again. Therefore, Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. 
ladies and gentlemen, a, a motivation to lay down the old nature and the, the, the sinful past that we were so familiar with, that we were engrossed in, that we were enslaved to. The motivation to lay that down is this new life in Jesus Christ. Put aside all envy and malice and deceit and hypocrisy and slander. That has no place in the Christian life now. Then look in verse 13 of chapter 2. Therefore, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. There's this principle of authority and submission. Where does does it come from and what is the motivation to submit? to, To yield our rights to other people? It's this great truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. And that our lives should bring, should bring praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 18. What would, the, what would be the motivation for slaves in the first century to submit to their masters in loving obedience? To yield their rights to their masters. What is it? For the praise of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband so that if any of you, and and we don't have time to read it all, but the point is, wives, why submit? For the praise of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, chapter 3, husbands, in the same way, be considered. So the the epistle is full of therefores. And so I want to show you now uh, that really the text I want to concentrate on for a few minutes tonight is verses 9 and 10. We'll read verse 8 as well. 8, 9, and 10 of chapter 3. Now, considering, considering this great truth, the great doctrine, who we are in Jesus Christ, we live life for the praise of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And he goes on to quote an Old Testament passage, the book of Psalms, the passage out of the book of Psalms. Peter says, it's interesting, isn't it? Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but repay instead with blessing. Now this is the principle of blessing tonight I want to talk about for a few minutes. A few years ago, I started closing my letters that I would write, and even emails. If you get emails from me, most always, I close them with this closing. Blessings, Richard Hall. And the reason I, I do that is really twofold. What I have in mind when I close letters with, with this blessing is, is, first of all, I have in mind that I, I really pray that the Lord will bless you richly. I'm considering you as a brother or sister in Christ. And I pray. Often I pray for the people of grace that the Lord would bless you. I pray blessings upon the people of grace. That the Lord would prosper you. That the Lord would make your path wide and straight. So when I close the letters, I have that in mind. Truly, that the blessings of God would be poured out upon you. But I have something else in mind too. I have, I have my blessings in mind. And my prayer is that my life would be a blessing to the people of grace. To the Christian community. What I, I pray that what I write, the words I pen would be an encouragement and a blessing to you. I pray that the, my life, my acts, uh, would. I pray that when the people of grace remember me, that they're encouraged, that they're blessed by my life. So I have those two things in mind. 
And I say that, guys, because the principle of blessing, as we've seen already here in First Peter, the principle of blessing is a, is a biblical principle. It goes back to the Old Testament. In fact, it goes back to the first book of the Bible, the, book, the very first chapter. Well, we don't have time to look there, but you've read it enough, haven't you? Genesis chapter 1, it's full of blessings. The Old Testament word for blessing is a combination of the word bena and diction. Bena meaning good, and diction is word, good word. And you look in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, full of benedictions. When God created the heavens and the earth and He spoke uh, each segment of the creation into existence, what did He follow it with? This is good. It's good. You know what God was doing? He was blessing. The God of creation was blessing creation. He was giving a good word. And so we see good words all throughout the Old Testament. We, when God created man and woman, He said, this is very good. So that's the blessing of the Old Testament. It's benediction. When we, you know, and you hear us give benedictions on Sundays after the, the close of service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine. May the Lord turn His... That's a benediction. It's a blessing. We're praying God's blessings upon the people. And that has its roots in the Old Testament. Come to the New Testament. And the word changes a bit to, to, to uh, the word... U or U E U and logos, which is from which we get our English word eulogy. Have you ever gone to a funeral and the preacher gives the eulogy or a family member gives the eulogy? It's a good word. Now, in the secular Greek, the common Greek of Peter's day, when they used this word blessing, what they had in mind was that their, people's lives would be encouraged, that a good word would be given and people would be encouraged. But I'm going to show you in just a minute that the New Testament takes it deeper than that. It means a little bit more than simply a good word. It goes much deeper than that. Uh, so here, guys, Peter admonishes us to practice the principle of blessing. Now, I just want you to notice two things tonight, guys. Here, if you, if you leave with anything, leave with this. We have the ability... To bless God and to bless each other. First, we have the ability to bless God. And this, this is, to me, a phenomenal concept. That you and I, human beings, created, the created ones, have the ability to bless the Creator. My father turned 75 this year. And that's a milestone, you know, 75. And um, so... the we got together and said, we, we need to throw a big birthday party for my dad. So we did this in April, uh, last of April. We had this big party for him. And we invited um, neighbors and some people that they attend church with and some their neighbors and just friends and some other relatives. And we just had a great birthday party for my dad. But in preparation for his birthday party, I was talking with Carla about this, and, and I was telling her, you know, it's his 75th birthday. we got to get him a gift. Uh, but... Here, here, here was my point. What do you get a guy who has everything? What do you get? What do you get a father who has everything? And now we got him gifts, and uh, I bought him some uh, wind chimes. He loves to sit on his patio and watch his. He has bird. He watches the bird feeders, and so I bought him some nice wind chimes to hang on his patio. To, and uh, but we bought him gifts. But guys, you know, my dad. It was it was interesting. He opened those gifts and he enjoyed those gifts. But if you ask him today who got him what, he couldn't... Who, who got you those wind chimes? He, he can't remember. Now, he's suffering a little bit 
physically and he has some problems and he can't remember a lot of things. But here, here's my point. Up there, at that birthday party, when uh, we were all of us together, we were trying to get uh, my brother and I, and then Brian, I wanted a picture of, of my dad, uh, myself, and Brian, three generations there. And, and uh, we gathered around my dad and some people were taking some pictures for us. And uh, I put my arm around my father and I said something like, Dad, I, I just appreciate the kind of father you've been. You've been such an example to me and my son all these years. And my dad just, he just broke down. And we couldn't even take the picture. He just wept. He, you know why? Because those words were a blessing. He can't remember what, who got him what present. But he remembers the words that were shared with him. Now, here's my point, guys. What do you get the father who has everything? Uh, we could buy him a gold ring, but he's got enough gold to create a galaxy of gold. You can't get him anything. Your words are a blessing to him. I'm reminded of the Psalm 103. You know, you know that psalm, bless the Lord. The psalmist just reaches down, down to the very guts of his soul. And he, he cries, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Your, your version may say, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It's really the Hebrew word. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Now guys, think of this. The next time you're in, in a worship service, reach down to the very depths of your soul and worship. Say these words, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that it was within me. And understand this, that your words bring blessings to God the Creator. It's a phenomenal concept that we have the ability to bless the Father. Not only can we bless the Father, but here in context in 1 Peter chapter 3, we can bless each other. We have the ability to bless other people. And by the way, even in the context of arrogance and provocation, when we don't feel like it, when the other person doesn't deserve it, we have the ability to bless other people. A few, week, a few days ago, my daughter, my daughter Holly was getting ready to go out on a date. And um, she was upstairs in her bathroom she had washed her hair and she dried and tried to curl her hair. And I, you know, if, you, if your wives use curling irons, you know, if you ever watch them in the in the in the in front of the mirror, it's like they need three hands. And she she was holding her hair with one hand and trying to reach down blindly on the countertop to, to, to get the curling iron. She picked it up on the wrong end. She put her hand around it and just seared the palm of her hand. And um, she's just about to go out on this date, and she was frustrated and hurting and almost in tears. And, and somebody had given us some time ago this paste that you mix with water and you put on burns. I, somebody, I think, in the church gave Carla this package. And uh, it's like a miracle, miracle ointment. You just mix a little water with it and you spread it on your... On the, we call it, put it on the palm of her hand. And it's like almost immediately it took the burn away. It was instant relief. Well, that's what Solomon said in, kind of, what he said in Proverbs, where where he says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's like careful chosen words of ours, even in the midst of hostility or hurt, harm or pain, our carefully chosen words are like a soothing paste. It brings healing and calm, a relief to pain. And it's true, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I can bless others. 
even when they don't deserve to be blessed. Uh, guys, why is it that we, we, don't, we don't practice what Peter admonishes us to practice? Why is it that we often return evil for e- with evil? It's, it's very common. It's hard for me to return good for evil. Is it hard for you? It, sometimes it is. I was driving to the office. This happened several years ago. And uh, I, when I come to the office, I usually come up uh, Holmes Road and turn left on Forest Hill Irene and come straight up to church. For some reason that morning, I went up all the way up Riverdale to Winchester and made a ride on Winchester. And this was before... Uh, Non-Conner Parkway was even finished. In fact, there's if you, it, in those days if you, on Winchester, as you you're coming east toward Germantown, right past you cross this bridge there, and uh, right before where the Non-Conner is, Winchester narrowed to two lanes, and therefore a, a, a segment of the it was just real tight and congested, two lanes, and then right before you got down to Hacks Cross, it would open up again in four lanes. Well, I was driving. And I try to obey the speed limit. And I got in there, and I, and, and I noticed this guy behind me was on my bumper. And what he was trying to do was get ahead of me before we got down to two lanes because I was driving too slow for him is what was going on. Well, he didn't make it, and he, so he was behind me for that half a mile in those two lanes and couldn't get around me. And I guess he was late for something. And, but I, you know, I was just going the speed limit. And then... Uh, <laughs> We, we, we finally got into the four lane, and when we burst into the four lane, he just whirled around me and sped past me. And I'm thinking, it just irritated me. You know, he shouldn't be speeding, and, and he's going to cause someone to have a wreck. And lo and behold, the, the next major intersection was Hacks Cross in Winchester. And this guy that shot in front of me, he went through a yellow light. I saw it all. He went through a yellow light. And this guy that was in the turning lane coming west on Winchester turns on the yellow, turns in front of this guy who was speeding, and that guy that made me mad had hit, he hit the back part of this pickup truck, spun it around in the intersection, totaled his car. This guy had a camper top on the top of, on the back of his pickup. It just threw it off in the intersection. It just tumbled over in the intersection. Now, you know my immediate response? Oh, that felt so good. <laughs> I'm telling you. I said, I said, he got what he deserved. And you know, I went through that intersection and I slowed down and I looked at his car and the, you know, there's transmission fluid draining in the intersection and people are stunned and, and it's, it's traffic time. It's trying to get to work time. And I went through that intersection and I saw the damage and the hurt. And the Holy Spirit just immediately convicted me that I was, I was so quick to return evil for evil. And, and I asked myself, why? Why is it? Why am I like that? And the reason we're all like that, guys, is because we battle with this old nature that tags along with us, the remnants of the old. And Peter said, don't be like that. Put down the old the way you used to this malice and envy and slander and returning evil for evil and return good for evil. That's the admonition for us, guys. Now here, it brings me to this. Two important questions. First of all, why should we bless God and why should we be willing and eager to bless each other? Well, first of all, why should we bless God? Because God deserves our blessings. God is perfect. He is God. 
We should bless him because he's perfect. But why should we bless each other? Precisely because we're imperfect. We ought to be willing to return good for evil because we understand that this person, like ourselves, battles with the old and everybody that we have interpersonal relationships with needs to see the soothing grace of God demonstrated in our lives. And when we return good for evil, we demonstrate this grace of God and it's like a soothing ointment and it encourages those around us. Also, we ought to return evil or good for evil because we are blessed in return. We didn't read this, but... Um, Oh, yes, we did. Do not repay evil with evil, verse 9, or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Uh, it's so that we might receive a blessing. Ultimately, we're going to inherit a great blessing. But this is the call of the Christian life. And so we bless God because He's perfect, and we bless each other because, precisely because we're imperfect. And we need to see the glorious grace of God. Now, guys, I'm going to close with this. Let me give you... This is the practical part of tonight. Three ways to bless other people. First of all, we can bless people by... We've already really made this assumption. We can bless other people by the words that we speak. I alluded to the fact that in the common Greek in Peter's day, the Greek idea of blessing was to just simply give a good word. But the New Testament concept of blessing takes it to a deeper level. Blessing was seen as something that really brought good to a person. And Peter is writing, and Peter is, uh, he understands the, the Jewish life and the Jewish heritage, and many in his audience understand this, and they can associate this issue of blessing. When they heard and spoke of blessing as a Jew, one of the first things they thought of was the priesthood. They thought of the priest in the temple or the priest who ministered to the people and how they would eagerly go to receive a blessing from the priest. And they were, they were anxious to receive this blessing. And they really believed that the blessing that the priest was giving was an extension of God's blessing through the priest to them and that really good would come to their life through this blessing. And so when Peter speaks of this, this is, this is the, the idea that they have in mind, that they have the ability to extend actual blessings to other people. Um, look, look back in chapter 2, verse 9. You remember, you, everybody knows this text. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And here's this whole issue. Peter is playing off this Jewish tradition and their, the Jewish understanding of the priesthood. And he says to the church, every one of us are priests. In fact, we're a, the, the, the Greek here actually means priestly fraternity. We're a group of priests band together who have the ministry of the priesthood. And part of that ministry includes extending blessings to fellow believers. We could just give out blessings. And blessings and good will come to other people's lives. I, I never will forget. I was in Guatemala. No. Let's see. Was it Guatemala? I was in Honduras a few years ago with a group of guys. I took a group of... Doug, 
Zellner, did I, are you with me on that trip? I thought you were. We went down to Honduras on a mission trip a few years ago, and about the middle of the week I had an opportunity to preach in, in a, one of the local churches in this town or this city. And uh, boy, you're talking about people who were reaching down. Doug can attest to that they, would just, they reached down to the very depths of their soul and praised God that night. Wasn't their worship refreshing that night? And, uh, and then I got to preach a, a sermon. I'd never preached via an interpreter. But boy, I had a blast. That was fun. You know, I thought it would be hard. But I got up there and, the, and I, what you could do, see, you'd say a few words and then this interpreter would interpret it and give you time to think what you want to say next. <laughs> I can just preach all night like that, man. And so I just preached. And you know what I, the text I use? This text right here, 1 Peter 2, 9, royal priesthood. And in my ignorance, you know, I didn't even think about this. But here is a traditionally a Catholic country. And many of these people, this, these Christians in this evangelical church, came out of a Catholic background, the Catholic tradition. Now, many of them didn't have a very good concept of the priesthood. Later that night after the service, we were somewhere and the, the, one of the missionaries, local missionaries, uh, mentioned this and he said do, do you do you know when you went got to that verse and talked about the royal priesthood do you know how the interpret what word the, the interpreter used in his interpretation i said no what he said he used the word preacher instead of priest now guys i i wouldn't have dare hurt the the interpreter's feelings but that was a mis misinterpretation that's the wrong word it's not preacher it is priest the, the reality is that even those Hondurans there who came from this Catholic background, though they have trouble grasp, grasping this fact because of their past, we are priests, everyone. And we have the, the, the potential to give out blessings to each other. I don't know if you, if you were here last Wednesday night. You remember my story about Holly? I only had a few minutes to speak, and I've told you the story about Holly and her encounter with this guy from uh, Asheville, North Carolina, this total stranger that came and spent three days in our, two nights and three days in our home. We didn't know him from Adam. Now, I, I don't think I made the point very well last Wednesday night, but the real point I was trying to make is that Holly only had three days, three days to make an impact in this guy's life. He left after three days, probably never see him again. We might, but possibly not. And uh, that was the point I was trying to make last Wednesday night. Three days to choose her words carefully. That the Hall family would choose and, and act very carefully in front of this unbeliever. That our lives, by our actions and by our words, we might extend a blessing to this young man. And that blessing would one day come to fruition. You see, the, what I'm, the point I'm making here tonight is that Sometimes through our words and our acts, we plant seeds of the gospel. And those seeds become a long-term blessing to someone else. And, and hopefully, he picked up something here that may one day have a part in bringing him to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the issue here. Secondly, we can bless by acts of kindness. Um, have you ever been on the receiving end of an act of kindness? And it's a simple act, and yet it had a, just a tremendous impact in your life. I had a story here I wanted to tell that really had a just a, a tremendous impact on my life years ago. Never forgotten it, but I don't have time to tell it. <laughs> so I'll tell you a shorter one. Um,
you know, right after 9-11, uh, it was a traumatic time for all of us in our country, but not long after 9-11, Jim, Jim and Tammy Umloff made a trip to New York on the way somewhere else. And they wanted to go down to Ground Zero. And while they, were, they went down to Ground Zero to see it, and uh, while Jim was there in New York, he bought a gift for me and brought it back. And uh, it was a, uh, because he knows my past as a firefighter and my love for the fire service and the profession, he brought me a, a genuine um, uh, F, uh, Fire Department of New York hat. I've got it in my office. It's a black cap, white lettering. You'd see a lot of the firefighters wear them. And I got it up on one of my shelves in my office. Just a simple gift. And you know, guys, every time my eye catches that cap up there in my office, it just, it just blesses me. You know why? A brother just thought of me and gave me a simple gift that will forever just bless me. We have the ability through simple acts. And you, you just never realize the simple things we do that can can be a blessing to other people, to your family, to your children, on and on it goes. And then thirdly and finally, we have the ability to bless other people through intercessory prayer. Now, I don't think we, we forget this sometimes, guys, but you know, sometimes it's not appropriate to say anything. It's just not the right time. I had a guy call me last week, uh, really struggling uh, with some issues and had had a conversation, on the t- an argument, uh, not, not on the phone, but a, a heated argument in person with this other person. And he, evil was being done to him. Wrong. He was being wronged. And he didn't return evil for evil. And so uh, he called me up and said, I didn't do what I wanted. I, I was so tempted to, to do this and sin on my part. But I resisted and I didn't do it. And he, I said, I, I'm so in, uh, you know, I encouraged him. That was really good. And I said, but, but listen, there's more to it than that. I mean, truly... Uh, it wasn't the right time to say anything. It's good that you just left and didn't do anything. But, you know, the, the Christian life demands much more than simply, uh, you know, prohibitions. The Christian life, Christ calls us to positive action. And so in, in his case, I said, you know what you should do? You have the opportunity to bless this person. Well, how can I do it? I said, today, right now, begin praying for this person. Intercede on that person's behalf and pray God's blessings down upon them. The, guys, b- the prayer of intercession can bring manifold blessings to people. And if I can might make this application uh, finally, guys, uh, you know, in my own life, recently I've been convicted, part of, partly because of what I've been teaching in my Sunday school class about the role of husbands and wives. And, and uh, in studying that, I've been convicted about not, I, haven't, I have not been praying for my wife enough. My habit in prayer, probably like yours, is I pray for all my needs and what I didn't done, this and this and this and this. And, and then I tack on a little prayer for my children and my, my wife and children. You know, that's how I do. I confess to you. And through studying Ephesians, the Lord just convicted me that I need to spend much more time interceding on behalf of my wife. Pray God's blessing down upon her knees. And, and I know my wife's desires of her heart and, and her ambitions and goals. and I know her hurts and pains. And boy, what an opportunity to intercede uh, via prayer 
and pray down blessings for other people. Well, it's time to go, and I, I'm not going to keep us much longer. It is actually time. If you're if you're a junior high parent, again, I remind, I promise, will I keep this before you? He'd like to meet with you over in the Mike's place room. Well, I hope you take this uh, principle of blessing into your life, even tonight and, and tomorrow as you go into life. And my prayer is that the Lord bless and keep you. That He'd make His face shine upon you and turn His face toward you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Good night.